Isaiah chapter 30 will be in the first 15 verses. Amen when everyone has it. Isaiah chapter 30, we'll be doing verses 1 through 15. Amen, I'll begin to read here. Isaiah chapter 30, starting in verse 1. The scripture reads, Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel, but not of me, and that cover with a covering, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin that walk to go down into Egypt and have not asked at my mouth to strengthen themselves in the strength of Pharaoh and to trust in the shadow of Egypt. Therefore shall the strength of Pharaoh be your shame and the trust in the shadow of Egypt your confusion. For his princes were at Zoan and his ambassadors came to Hanes. They were all ashamed of a people that could not profit them nor be an help, nor profit, but a shame and also a reproach. The burden of the beast of the south into the land of trouble and anguish, from whence come the young and old lion, the viper and fiery flying serpent. How'd you like those in your backyard? They will, <laughs> I couldn't resist. They will carry their riches upon the shoulders of young asses and their treasures upon the bunches of camels to a people that shall not profit them. For the Egyptians shall help in vain and to no purpose. Therefore have I cried concerning this, their strength is to sit still. Now go, write it before them in a table and note it in a book that it may be for the time to come forever and ever that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord, which say to the seers, See not, and to the prophets, Prophesy not unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things, prophesy deceits. Get you out of the way, turn aside out of the path, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. Let's stop off there for one second here. It's a lot already coming at us in these first 11 verses. So um, the prophet is prophesying to Judah. We've actually seen some of what is actually taking place here already in our king study. Um, so you've got Judah is now being referred to as, quote, rebellious children. Um, you know, God's our heavenly father, right? And so if we're his children, if we're rebelling against our father, our father feels the same way any of us feel if our children have rebelled against us, right? And it's in the human nature to be rebellious. I think all children rebel some form or fashion against parental authority and all that kind of stuff at some point. But a rebellious child causes much heartache and grief. And so just like if our children rebel, causes us heartache and grief. When we rebel against God, we cause God heartache and grief. Well, this is Judah who has now hurt the heart of God, if you would, through their rebellion. So let me give you a couple verses. Uh, you don't have to turn there, but you can write them down if you'd like. But Proverbs 
He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck shall suddenly be destroyed in that without remedy. Same chapter, verse 15. The Bible gives us some remedy against this. The rod and reproof is one thing that we're told to use um, to give them wisdom. I want to point this out to you. God did that with Judah. Amen? God's done that already. He's given them the rod. He's given them reproof. He's given them the Word of God. He's given them wisdom. Uh, in verse 17 of Proverbs 29, you'll find that God uh, tells us to use correction for our children. And God did that with Judah. So what I'm pointing out to you is, if God the Father the perfect father, the father that's showing us everything we should try to be as a father. If he has a rebellious child, amen, then I would submit to you that any one of us could, right? God the father didn't do anything wrong, right? Because it's not in his nature. He's as perfect of a father as perfect can get, and yet Judah's children still rebelled against him. Amen? However, worth making the point, God time and time again restores Judah, corrects Judah, does what he's supposed to do as a father to bring them back to where they're supposed to be. Uh, but here we have that relationship that's being expressed between God the Father and to Judah because he's referring uh, to them as... His, his rebellious children, and he's expressing that anger and that heartbreak that they have continuously gone to other things other than him. Uh, so the, uh, the thought that God gave me in this is in the end, all of us do our best, but our children will at one point in time in life have to decide which way they go on their own. And they'll make decisions on their own. And those decisions have consequences. This is why we try to guide them in the right path now. Because when we get older and they, we can no longer influence those decisions, when we see them being the wrong one, what does it cause us? Heartbreak. Amen. And so, take this to heart today. God can relate to those feelings because He had them as well. Amen. Um, and so... Don't, aren't you thankful God can relate to us in everything we go to go through? Uh, so what was, as we're kind of going through here, what exactly was Judah's rebellion? Um, and the Bible tells us this. I, I really, I love hearing the kids downstairs. It just makes me excited. But what was Judah's rebellion? They sought counsel everywhere but of God. Amen. They used false coverings. And by the way, the word covering, what we find in the Bible, atonement. Atonement is a covering. So they had false coverings um, for their sin. And that's what it's, it tells us there, adding sin to sin there in verse 1. Um, and then God tells, them that they, that God tells us that they sought alliances that God forbade without seeking God's guidance in the matter. Amen. Um, and so to bring back to reference what we're looking at here, what God is announcing his woe to the rebellious children of Judah for, we've seen this when we studied this in Kings, in our second Kings study. But remember, 
Um, Judah, they wanted alliances with Syria, and then they wanted alliances with Assyria, and then they wanted alliances with Egypt. This is what he's talking about here. Specifically, they went to Egypt. Why did they go to Egypt? Um, because they wanted the Egyptians to form that relationship with them because they thought they would be safe if the Egyptians and their army and the Egyptian army, and surely the Assyrians would not stand a chance. Remember that? How'd that work out for them? Amen. But uh, but Isaiah here is prophesying uh, further consequence for this. Of course, we'll, we have quite a bit of the chapter to work through still. Um, but they were consulting with all those allies that God did not approve of, but they would not, however, consult with God himself. Amen. It, does anybody here can think of anyone, maybe a, a time in our own life where we were consulting with all the wrong people and things instead of going to God for what we needed? That's what they were doing. So, worth pointing out here in verses uh, <clears throat> verses 2 through 7, I would say that one way you can look at that is Judah went through a great deal of pain and a great deal of sacrifice and a great deal of suffering and a great deal of trouble just to secure Egypt as their ally. Amen? Why did they go through all that when all they had to do was ask God? Amen? They're going through all this toil and all this trouble and losing things. They're just the the nature of the elements against them and the you know uh, Egypt was a harsh place for them amen and so everything that they went through just to try to seek some alliance with Egypt and it's just they went through so much they could have gone through nothing at all and just asked God and he would have taken care of them amen how many people today in the world are just putting themselves through complete torment and toil and they're worn out and stressed out and anxious and depressed and broke and going through problem after problem after problem and they keep running to people and places and things for their help instead of just repenting and turning to God. Just turn to God to begin with. Doesn't mean all your problems go away, but at least you know if you're in the will of God, whatever problems you face, He's going to get you through them. Amen? So I just... I look at that like, man, why you're going through all this. Why don't you just turn to God? He wants to take care of you. Here's some things that kind of jumped out at me. It says that uh, they took the strength of Pharaoh as, you know, uh, in verse three there, but that ended up being their shame. They trusted in the shadow of Egypt. That ended up being their confusion. So they traded the shadow of an almighty God for the shadow of Egypt. He that dwelt in the secret place of the Most High. Amen. They traded the strength of an all-powerful God, an omnipotent God, for that of a weak Pharaoh who God already defeated if they'd even study their own history. America would have less problems right now if some of our young people would study their own history. Or if they'd get taught real history for that matter. They put their trust in the wrong things. They put their loyalties with the wrong people. And they made their path the wrong way. And now look, verses 8 through 11. 
This is what an unrepentant person that just wants a pat on the back, wants everybody to make them feel better. Now go write it before them in a table, note it in a book that it may be for the time to come and forever and ever. God wants a document of this situation for the benefit of those that will study it later, us, this evening. This rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law, right? So they've rebelled against God. They're, they're living in deceit and lies. They're not, they won't, they don't want to hear the God's word. And now they want the pri- prophets to not tell them the word of God. They want the prophets to tell them what they want to hear, right? They want lying false prophets to deceive them so that they don't have to confront the accountability for their actions. So they want to hear smooth things. They don't want to hear about the judgment of God. They don't want the prophets to tell them about the captivity. They don't want the prophets to tell them about God's judgment. They want things that make them feel good. Sound sound like today, right? Everybody wants to feel good about being under God's judgment. And then verse 11, get you out of the way, turn aside out of the path, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. That's very similar to Romans chapter 1. They did not want to retain God in their knowledge. They don't want to confront God. We don't want to see God. Here's a scriptural example of what you're seeing as it applies today. 2 Timothy 4, 3, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Amen? Yeah. Oh boy, that's right. And... uh And in verse 12 through 15, because I'm running out of time, but let's look at it. There's a consequence for that. Wherefore, thus saith the Holy One of Israel, because ye despise this word and trust in oppression and perverseness and stay thereon, therefore this iniquity shall be to you as a breach ready to fall, swelling out in a high wall whose breaking cometh suddenly at an instant, And he shall break it as the breaking of the potter's vessel that is broken in pieces. He shall not spare, so that there shall not be found in the bursting of it a sherd to take fire from the hearth, or to take water without out of the pit. God knows how to break us when when that's what we're asking for. Amen? Now listen to this, verse 15, but I love this. There is a twist. For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning in rest shall ye be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. And ye would not. So there's consequences here. We find several for their sin that God has already listed here. I won't go back over those, but He tells them they'll be ashamed. That's verse 5. He tells them their alliance with Egypt will not be profitable nor helpful. So they went through all that for nothing. Amen? They're going to suffer material loss, a loss of fruitfulness, economic loss. They themselves will be rendered purposeless. They can't fulfill their purpose. They've been, you know, they've, they've hindered their own, they've hindered themselves. And now we find that they'll be broken by God. But then God tells them it didn't have to be this way. It did not have to be this way. He says, For thus saith the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, in returning and rest shall ye be saved. In returning, if they would just return to Him, return to His Word, return to His ways, 
Return to prayer. Return to trusting Him. Return to worshiping Him. If they would just rest, rest in His promises. Rest in the fact that they belong to Him. He'll take care of them. If they would just rest in Him and trust Him and return to Him, then it tells us God would have given them quietness, which is also saying peace. They'd have peace. If we just turn to Christ, whatever anguish, whatever toil, whatever difficulties, whatever things that we're facing in this world, while we may still have problems, but if we'll trust Christ as Savior, at least He'll give us the peace. Amen? At least least we'll have the hope of eternal life. Peace and then confidence. Strength. Assurance. But He says, but they would not. That's hard. I even hate to end a message on that, but that's what happened. They would not. But you know what? Sometimes that's how it ends. Somebody just refuses all the way down the road. And then it's too late. But it doesn't have to be that way. Because at any point in time, we can turn to the Lord. We can rest in His promises. We can receive the salvation that's in Christ. He'll give us the peace. He'll give us the quietness. He'll give us the confidence. He'll give us the strength. And we'll see that even though life isn't perfect, it can't even compare. The sufferings of this present time, they can't even be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. Amen? And that should be enough to make every one of us want to know that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Of course, I sure hope everyone here this evening can say that they have. Amen? Um, but it's certainly on our hearts for those that haven't that they would see that the world's full of trouble, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ and His invitation's available right now. It's not too late. Amen? And uh, so let's pray tonight and thank the Lord for this uh, message that He's given us and let's be in prayer. Let's commit ourselves uh, to praying for those specific names in our families and friends and people that we know Um, maybe those that will be coming through the doors of our church over the next couple weeks, that if there's one that hasn't accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, that He'll convict their hearts of their need and that they'll accept Jesus and get saved. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank You, Lord, for this evening. We thank You for the lesson tonight, Lord. And uh, most of all, we thank You, God, that even though we look around and the world's falling apart around us, God, you've given us strength and you've given us peace. We don't have to fall apart with the world. And uh, we know the world's full of trouble, but you've told us, let our hearts not be troubled. For we believe in God, believe also in, you said, if you believe in God, believe also in me. Lord, I'm thankful tonight that I can say I've put my belief and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I pray that everyone here can say the same. Lord, I've heard their testimonies of salvation. I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty as convinced as a man can be. I don't know the hearts, Lord. But, uh, but God, I'm thankful that there's saved people here in New Lexington. I'm thankful for a church in New Lexington. We're a good church, Lord, and we care about souls and we want people to get saved. And from the youngest of the little ones that will come through our doors to the, to, the, to the oldest person in the community, God, we want to reach them all. 
And um, God, whatever the people around us are going through, Lord, help us be lights to them that they can see that your invitation's available, Lord, to each and every soul on earth right now. Even as the world's falling apart, any one of us can accept Christ at any time. Any person out there can. And Lord, that's, uh, that's important for us to remember, God. Help us get the, the gospel out through our missions programs, through our outreach programs. It's a, uh, it's a humbling thought, Lord, that not all of the, obviously not all of the lost souls in our community are going to walk through the doors of our church and get saved. Most won't hear the gospel if we're not willing to take it to them, Lord. And that's very convicting. God, help us strengthen us as we go into our Christmas season. God, help us take advantage of the fact that many people who don't think about Jesus throughout the year, they do think about Jesus this time of year. And um, God, we want, we want to use that opportunity to give them the gospel. Lord, we want to see people saved, Lord. We want to see our church grow. We want to see... Um, we just want to see you at work, Lord. It's so encouraging to see you working in people's lives, Lord. So rewarding to see that. And Lord, bless our church. Bless our church family. We lift up the prayer request again from our prayer bulletins, Lord, our friends, our families, our close loved ones. Uh, just many people are, are having a very difficult time. Just many things happening, Lord. But God, you can touch each and every heart. You can meet each and every need. You can give comfort and strength and peace that surpasses understanding. And you can stir up the gift that is in us and stir up our hope and just, just make us even more eager in our anticipation to see Christ come back for his church bride. Lord, help us be faithful to you while we wait. And Lord, help us through this week. Help us be faithful to you, Lord. And uh, we need you, God. We love you. We thank you. We thank you that there's an invitation here to return. If any needs to return to you in some area that they've gotten away or that they just need some rest for things that they're, they've been wrestling with, um, God, we pray that you'll give them that quietness, Lord, that you'll give them that peace, Lord, that you'll give them that strength that they need. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Keep everyone safe as we leave here this evening. Um, let everyone have a blessed remainder of their week. And um, God, we're looking forward to seeing what you will do in your house this upcoming Lord's Day. We ask that you'll bless the, the family meal and everything that is planned. We can't do any of it without you, Lord. We need you. We love you. We thank you. And uh, we thank you for being such a good, loving, heavenly Father towards us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.